Matthew chapter 10, verses 26 through 42, of Catina Aria, Commentary on the Four Gospels, Collected Out of the Works of the Fathers, by St. Thomas Aquinas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Verse 26 through 28. Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, and hid that shall not be known. But what I tell you in the darkness, that speak ye in light, and what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Rigmig. To the foregoing consolation he adds another no less, saying, Fear ye not them, namely the persecutors. For why they were not to fear, he adds, for there is nothing hid which shall not be revealed, nothing secret which shall not be known. Jerome, how is it then that in the present world the sins of so many are unknown? It is of the time to come that this is said, the time when God shall judge the hidden things of men, shall enlighten the hidden places of darkness, and shall make manifest the secrets of hearts. The sense is, fear not the cruelty of the persecutor, or the rage of the blasphemer, for there shall come a day of judgment in which your virtue and their wickedness shall be made known. Hilary, therefore neither threatening nor evil speaking, nor power of their enemies should move them, seeing the judgment day will disclose how empty, how naught all these were. Chrysostom, otherwise it might seem that what is here said should be applied generally, but it is by no means intended as a general maxim, but is spoken solely with reference to what had gone before with this meaning. If you are grieved when men revile you, Think that in a little time you will be delivered from this evil. They call you indeed impostors, sorcerers, seducers, but have a little patience, and all men shall call you the saviors of the world, when in the course of things you shall be found to have been their benefactors, for men will not judge by their words, but by the truth of things. Rigmig. Some indeed think that these words convey a promise from our Lord to his disciples, that through them all hidden mysteries should be revealed, which lay beneath the veil of the letter of the law. Once the apostle speaks, when they have turned to Christ, then the veil shall be taken away. So the sense would be, ought you to fear your persecutors, when you are thought worthy, that by you the hidden mysteries of the law and prophets should be made manifest. Persostom. Then having delivered them from all fear, and set them above all calumny, he follows this up appropriately with commanding that their preaching should be free and unreserved. What I say to you in darkness, that speak ye in the light. What ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. Jerome. We do not read that the Lord was wont to discourse to them by night, or to deliver his doctrine in the dark. But he said this because all his discourse is dark to the carnal, and his word night to the unbelieving. What had been spoken by him, they were to deliver again, with the confidence of faith and confession. Rigmig. The meaning, therefore, is, What I say to you in darkness, that is, among the unbelieving Jews, that speak ye in the light, that is, preach it to the believing. What ye hear in the ear, that is, what I say unto you secretly, that preach ye upon the housetops, that is, openly before all men. It is a common phrase, to speak in one's ear, that is, to speak to him privately. 
Rabban, and what he says, preach ye upon the housetops, is spoken after the manner of the province of Palestine, where they used to sit upon the roofs of the houses, which are not pointed but flat, that then may be said to be preached upon the housetops, which is spoken in the hearing of all men. Loss. Otherwise, what I say unto you, while you are yet held under carnal fear, that speak ye in the confidence of truth, after ye shall be enlightened by the Holy Spirit. What you have only heard, that preach by doing the same, being raised above your bodies, which are dwellings of your souls. Jerome. Otherwise, what you hear in mystery, that teach in plainness of speech. What I have taught you in a corner of Judea, that proclaim boldly in all quarters of the world. Chrysostom. As he said, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, he shall do also, and greater things than these shall he do. So here he shows that he works all things through them more than through himself, as though he had said, I have made a beginning, but what is beyond that I will to complete through your means, so that this is not a command but a prediction, showing them that they shall overcome all things. Hilary. Therefore they ought to inculcate constantly the knowledge of God and the profound secrets of evangelic doctrine to be revealed by the light of preaching, having no fear of those who have power only over the body but cannot reach the soul. Fear not those that kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Chrysostom. Observe how he sets them above all others, encouraging them to set at naught cares, reproaches, perils, yea, even the most terrible of all things, death itself in comparison of the fear of God, but rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Jerome, this word is not found in the old scriptures, but it is first used by the Savior. Let us inquire then into its origin. We read in more than one place that the idol Baal was near Jerusalem, at the foot of Mount Moriah, by which the brook Silo flows. This valley and a small level plain was watered and woody, a delightful spot, and a groove in it was consecrated to the idol. To so great folly and madness had the people of Israel come, that forsaking the neighborhood of the temple, they offered their sacrifices there, and concealing an austere ritual under a voluptuous life, they burned their sons in honor of a demon. This place was called Gehenom, that is, the valley of the children of Hinnom. These things are fully described in Kings and Chronicles, and the prophet Jeremiah. God threatens that he will fill the place with the carcasses of the dead, that it be no more called Tophet and Baal, but Polyandrion, i.e. the tomb of the dead, Hence the torments and eternal pains with which sinners shall be punished are signified by this word. Augustine, this cannot be before the soul is so joined to the body that nothing may sever them. Yet it is rightly called the death of the soul, because it does not live of God, and the death of the body, because though man does not cease to feel, yet because this, his feeling, has neither pleasure nor health, but is a pain and a punishment. It is better named death than life. Chrysostom. Note also that he does not hold out to them deliverance from death, but encourages them to despise it. 
which is a much greater thing than to be rescued from death also this discourse aids in fixing in their minds the doctrine of immortality verses twenty nine through thirty one are not two sparrows sold for a farthing and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father but the very hairs of your head are all numbered fear ye not therefore ye are of more value than many sparrows chrysostom having set aside fear of death that the apostles should not think that if they were put to death they were deserted by god he passes to discourse of god's providence saying are not two sparrows sold for a farthing and one of them does not fall to the ground without your father jerome if these little creations fall not without god's superintendence and providence and if things made to perish perish not without god's will you who are immortal ought not to fear that you live without his providence hilary figuratively that which is sold is our soul and body and that to which it is sold is sin they then who sell two sparrows for a farthing are they who sell themselves for the smallest sin born for flight and for reaching heaven with spiritual wings caught by the bait of present pleasures and sold to the enjoyment of the world they barter away their whole selves in such a market it is of the will of god that one of them rather soar aloft but the law proceeding according to god's appointment decrees that one of them should fall in like manner as if they soared aloft they would become one spiritual body so when sold under sin the soul gathers earthly matter from the pollution of vice and there is made of them one body which is committed to the earth jerome that he says the hairs of your head are all numbered shows the boundless providence of god towards man and a care unspeakable that nothing of ours is hid from god hilary for when anything is numbered it is carefully watched over Persostum. not that god reckons our hairs but to show his diligent knowledge and great carefulness over us jerome those who deny the resurrection of the flesh ridicule the sense of the church on this place as if we affirmed that every hair that has ever been cut off by the razor rises again when the saviour says every hair of your head not is saved but is numbered where there is number knowledge of that number is implied but not preservation of the same hairs augustine though we may fairly inquire concerning our hair whether all that has ever been shorn from us will return for who would not dread such disfigurement when it is once understood that nothing of our body shall be lost so as that the form and perfectness of all parts should be preserved we at the same time understand that all that would have disfigured our body is to be united or taken up by the whole mass not affixed to particular parts so as to destroy the frame of the limbs just as a vessel made of clay and again reduced to clay is once more reformed into a vessel it needs not that that portion of clay which had formed the handle should again form it or that that which had composed the bottom should again go to the bottom so long as the whole was remolded into the whole the whole clay into the whole vessel no part being lost wherefore if the hair so often shorn away would be a deformity if restored to the place it had been taken from it will be restored to that place but all the materials of the old body will be revived in the new 
whatever place they may occupy so as to preserve the mutual fitness of parts though what is said in luke not a hair of your head shall fall to the ground may be taken of number not the length of the hairs as here also it is said the hairs of your head are all numbered Hilary, for it is an unworthy task to number things that are to perish therefore that we should know that nothing of us should perish we are told that our very hairs are numbered no accident then that can befall our bodies is to be feared thus he adds fear not ye are better than many sparrows jerome this expresses still more clearly the sense as it was above explained that they should not fear those who can kill the body for if the least animal falls not without god's knowledge how much less a man who is dignified with the apostolic rank hilary or this ye are better than many sparrows teaches that the elect faithful are better than the multitude of the unbelieving for the one fall to earth the other fly to heaven rigmig figuratively christ is the head the apostles the hares who are well said to be numbered because the names of the saints are written in heaven verses thirty two and thirty three whosoever therefore shall confess me before men him will i confess also before my father which is in heaven but whosoever shall deny me before men him will i deny before my father which is in heaven chrysostom the lord having banished the fear which haunted the minds of his disciples added further comfort in what follows not only casting out fear but by hope of greater rewards encouraging them to a free proclamation of the truth saying every man who shall confess me before men i also will confess him before my father which is in heaven and it is not properly shall confess me but as it is in the greek shall confess in me showing that it is not by your own strength but by grace from above that you confess him whom you do confess hilary this he says in conclusion because it behooves them after being confirmed by such teaching to have a confident freedom in confessing god rigmig here is to be understood that confession of which the apostle speaks with the heart men believe unto justification with the mouth confession is made unto salvation that none therefore might suppose that he should be saved without confession of the mouth he says not only he that shall confess me but adds before men and again he that shall deny me before men him will i also deny before my father which is in heaven hilary this teaches us that in what measure we have borne witness to him upon earth in the same shall we have him to bear witness to us in heaven before the face of god the father chrysostom here observe that the punishment is manifold more than the evil done and the reward more than the good done as much as to say your deed was more abundant in confessing or denying me here so shall my deed to you word be more abundant in confessing or denying you there wherefore if you have done any good thing and have not received retribution be not troubled for a manifold reward awaits you in the time to come and if you have done any evil and have not paid the punishment thereof do not think that you have escaped for punishment will overtake you unless you are changed and become better robin it should be known that not even the pagans can deny the existence of god but the infidels may deny that the son as well as the father is god 
the Son confesses men before the Father, because the Son saith, Come ye blessed of my Father, Rigmig, and thus he will deny the man that had denied him, in that he shall not have access to the Father through him, and shall be banished from seeing either the Son or the Father in their divine nature. Chrysostom, he not only requires faith which is of the mind, but confession which is by the mouth, that he may exalt us higher, and raise us to a more open utterance, and a larger measure of love. For this is spoken not to the apostles only, but to all. He gives strength not to them only, but to their disciples. And he that observes this precept will not only teach with free utterance, but will easily convince all. For the observance of this command drew many to the apostles, Rabban, or he confesses Jesus, who by that faith that worketh by love obediently fulfills his command. He denies him who is disobedient. Verses 34 through 36. Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Jerome. He had before said, What I say to you in darkness, that speak ye in the light. He now tells them what will follow upon that preaching, saying, Think not that I am come to send peace upon earth. I am not come to send peace but a sword. Gloss. Or connect it with what has gone before. As the fear of death ought not to draw you away, so neither ought carnal affection. Chrysostom. How then did he enjoin them, that when they should enter any house, they should say, Peace be to this house. As also the angels sung, Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace to men. That is the most perfect peace when that which is diseased is lopped off, when that which introduces strife is taken away. For so only it is possible that heaven should be joined to earth. For so does the physician save the rest of the body, namely by cutting off that which cannot be healed. So it came to pass the Tower of Babel, a happy discord, broke up their bad union. So also Paul divided those who were conspired together against him, for concord is not in all cases good, for there is honor among thieves, and this combat is not of his setting before them, but of the plots of the world. Jerome, for in the manner of belief in Christ the whole world was divided against itself. Each house had its believers and its unbelievers, and therefore was this holy war sent, that an unholy peace might be broken through. Chrysostom, this he said, as it were, comforting his disciples, as much as to say, Be not troubled, as though these things fell upon you unexpectedly. For, for this cause, I came that I might send war upon the earth. Nay, he says not war, but what is harder, a sword. For he sought by sharpness of speech so to rouse their attention, that they should not fall off in time of trial and difficulty or say that he had told them smooth things, and had hid the difficulties. For it is better to meet with softness in deeds than in words, and therefore he stayed not in words, but showing them the nature of their warfare. He taught them that it was more perilous than a civil war, saying, I am come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. 
so this warfare will be between not acquaintances merely but the nearest and dearest kindred and this shows christ's very great power that his disciples after having heard this yet undertook the mission and brought over others yet it was not christ who made this division but the evil nature of the parties when he says that it is he that does it he speaks according to the manner of scripture as it is written god hath given them eyes that they should not see here is also a great proof that the old testament is like the new for among the jews a man was to put his neighbor to death if he found him making a calf or sacrificing to balthagor so here to show that it was the same god who ordained both that and these precepts he reminds them of the prophecy a man's foes are they of his household for this same thing happened among the jews there were prophets and false prophets there the multitudes were divided and houses were set against themselves there were some believed one part and some another jerome these are almost the words of the prophet micah we should always take notes when a passage is cited out of the old testament whether the sense only or the very words are given hilary mystically a sword is the sharpest of all weapons and thence it is the emblem of the rights of authority the impartiality of justice the correction of offenders the word of god we may remember is likened to a sword so here the sword that is set upon the earth is his preaching poured into the heart of man the five inhabiting one house whom he divides three against two and two against three we may explain thus the three are the three parts of man the body the soul and the will for as the soul is bestowed in the body so the will has power of using both in any way it chooses and thence when a law is given it is given to the will but this is only found in those who were first formed by god by the sin and unbelief of the first parent all the generations of man since have had sin for the father of their body and unbelief for the mother of their soul and as each man has his will within him there are thus five in one house when then we are renewed in the laver of baptism by virtue of the word we are set apart from our original guilt and severed as it were by the sword of god from the lusts of this our father and mother and thus there is great discord made in one house the new man finding his foes within he seeks with joy to live in newness of spirit they which are derived from the old stock lust to remain in their old pleasures augustine otherwise i am come to set a man against his father for he renounces the devil who was his son the daughter against her mother that is the people of god against the city of the world that is the wicked society of mankind which is spoken of in scripture under the names of babylon egypt sodom and other names the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law that is the church against the synagogue which according to the flesh brought forth christ the spouse of the church they are severed by the sword of the spirit which is the word of god and a man's foes are they of his own household those that is with whom he before lived as intimates rabbin for no other mutual rights can be preserved between those who are at war in their creeds gloss otherwise he means i am not come among men to strengthen their carnal affections but to cut them off with the sword of the spirit 
whence it is rightly added, and a man's foes are they of his household. Gregory. For the subtle enemy, when he sees himself driven out of the hearts of the good, seeks out those who most love them, and speaking by the mouth of those who are dearest, endeavors while the heart is penetrated by love, that the sword of conviction may pierce to the inmost bulwarks of virtue. Verses 37 through 39. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Jerome, because of what he had said, I am not come to send peace but a sword, etc., that none might suppose that family affection was banished from his religion, he now adds, he that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. So in the Song of Songs we read, Order love in me. For this order is needed in every affection. After God, love thy father, thy mother, and thy children. But if a necessity should occur that the love of parents and children comes into competition with the love of God, and where both cannot be preserved, remember that hatred of our kindred becomes then love to God, forbids not to love parent or child, but adds emphatically more than me. Hilary, for they who have esteemed domestic affection of relations higher than God are unworthy to inherit good things to come. Chrysostom, yet when Paul bids us obey our parents in all things, we are not to marvel, for we are only to obey in such things as are not hurtful to our piety to God. It is holy to render them every other honor, but when they demand more than is due, we ought not to yield. This is likewise agreeable to the Old Testament. In it the Lord commands that all who worshipped idols should not only be held in abhorrence, but should be stoned. And in Deuteronomy it is said, He who saith to his father and his mother, I know you not, and to his brethren, ye are strangers, he hath kept thy saying. Gloss. It seems to happen in many cases that the parents love the children more than the children love the parents. Therefore, having taught that his love is to be preferred to the love of parents, as in an ascending scale, he next teaches that it is to be preferred to the love of children, saying, And whoso loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Robin. He is unworthy of the divine communion who prefers the carnal affection of kindred to the spiritual love of God. Chrysostom. Then that those to whom the love of God is preferred should not be offended thereat, he leads them to a higher doctrine. Nothing is nearer to a man than his soul, and yet he enjoins that this should not only be hated, but that a man should be ready to deliver it up to death and blood, not to death only, but to a violent and most disgraceful death, namely the death of the cross. Therefore it follows, and whoso taketh not up his cross and followeth me, is not worthy of me. He had as yet said nothing to them respecting his own sufferings, but instructs them in the meanwhile in these things, that they may the more readily receive his words concerning his passion. Hilary, or they that are Christ's have crucified the body with its vices and lusts, and he that is unworthy of Christ, who does not take up his cross, in which we suffer with him, die with him, are buried and rise again with him, and follow his Lord, purposing to live in newness of spirit in this sacrament of the faith. Gregory, the cross is so called from the torment, 
and there are two ways in which we bear the lord's cross either when we afflict the flesh by abstinence or when in compassion for our neighbor we make his afflictions our own but it should be known that there are some who make a show of abstinence not for god but for ostentation and some there are who show compassion to their neighbor not spiritually but carnally not that they may encourage him in virtue but rather countenancing him in faults these indeed seem to bear their cross but do not follow the lord therefore he adds and followeth me chrysostom because these commands seem burdensome he proceeds to show their great use and benefit saying he that findeth his life shall lose it as much as to say not only do these things that i have inculcated do no harm but they are of great advantage to a man and the contrary thereof shall do him great hurt and this is his manner everywhere he uses those things which men's affections are set upon as a means of bringing them to their duty thus why are you loth to condemn your life because you love it for that very reason condemn it and you will do it the highest service rigmig the life in this place is to be understood as the substance the soul but as this present state of being and the sense is he who findeth his life i e this present life he who so loves this light its joys and pleasures as to desire that he may always find them he shall lose that which he wishes always to keep and prepare his soul for eternal damnation robin otherwise he who seeks an immortal life does not hesitate to lose his life that is to offer it to death but either sense suits equally well with that which follows and whoso shall lose his life for my sake shall find it rigmig that is he who in confession of my name in time of persecution despises this temporal world its joys and pleasures shall find eternal salvation for his soul hilary thus the gain of life brings death the loss of life brings salvation for by the sacrifice of this short life we gain the reward of immortality verses forty through forty two he that receiveth you receiveth me and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me he that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward and he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward and whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of water only in the name of a disciple verily i say unto you he shall in no wise lose his reward jerome the lord when he sends forth his disciples to preach teaches them that dangers are not to be feared that natural affection is to be postponed to religion gold he had above taken from them brass he had shaken out of their purses hard then surely the condition of the preachers whence their food and necessaries therefore he tempers the rigor of his precepts by the following promises that in entertaining the apostles each believer may consider that he entertains the lord chrysostom enough have been said above to persuade those who should have to entertain the apostles for who would not with all willingness take in to his house men who were so courageous that they had despised all dangers that others might be saved above he had threatened punishment to those who would not receive them he now promises reward to such 
as should receive them and first he holds out to those who should entertain them the honor that in so doing they were entertaining christ and even the father he who receiveth me receiveth him that sent me what honor to be compared to this of receiving the father and the son hilary these words show that he had a mediator's office and since he came from god when he is received by us through him god is transfused into us and by this disposition of grace to have received the apostles is no other than to have received god for christ dwells in them and god in christ chrysostom a further reward also he promises saying he who receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward he said not merely whoso receiveth a prophet or a righteous man but in the name of a prophet and in the name of a righteous man that is not for any greatness in this life or other temporal account but because he is a prophet or a righteous man jerome otherwise to this his exhortation to the disciple to entertain his teacher there might a secret objection arise among the faithful then shall we have to support the false prophets or judas the traitor to this end it is that the lord instructs them in these words that it is not the person but the office that they should look to and that the entertainer loses not his reward though he whom he entertains be unworthy chrysostom a prophet's reward and a righteous man's reward are such rewards as it is fitting he should have who entertains a prophet or a righteous man or such a reward as a prophet or a righteous man should have gregory he says not a reward from a prophet or a righteous man but the reward of a prophet or a righteous man for the prophet is perhaps a righteous man and the less he possesses in this world the greater confidence has he in speaking in behalf of righteousness he who hath of this world's goods in supporting such a man makes himself a free partaker in his righteousness and shall receive the reward of righteousness together with him whom he has aided by supporting him he is full of the spirit of prophecy but he lacks bodily sustenance and if the body be not supported it is certain that the voice will fail whoso then gives a prophet food gives him strength for speaking therefore together with the prophet he shall receive the prophet's reward when he shows before the face of god what bounty he showed him jerome mystically he who receives a prophet as a prophet and understands him speaking of things to come shall receive reward of that prophet the jews therefore who understand the prophets carnally do not receive the prophet's reward rigmig some understand by the prophet here the lord jesus christ of whom moses says a prophet shall the lord your god raise up unto you and the same also by the righteous man because he is beyond comparison righteous he then who shall receive a prophet or righteous man in the name of a prophet or righteous man i e of christ shall receive reward from him for love of whom he received him jerome that none should say i am poor and therefore cannot be hospitable he takes away even this plea by the instance of a cup of cold water given with good will he says cold water because in hot poverty and lack of fuel might be pleaded and whosoever shall give to drink to one of the least of these a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple 
Verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. Rigmig, the least of these, that is, not a prophet or a righteous man, but one of these least. Gloss, note that God looks more to the pious mind of the giver than to the abundance of the thing given. Gloss, or the least are they who have nothing at all in this world, and shall be judges with Christ. Hilary, or seeing beforehand that there would be many who would only glory in the name of apostleship, but in their whole life and walk would be unworthy of it. He does not therefore deprive of its reward that service which might be rendered to them in belief of their religious life. For though they were the very least, that is, the greatest of sinners, yet even small offices of mercy shown them, such are as denoted by the cup of cold water, should not be shown in vain. For the honor is not done to a man that is a sinner, but to his title of disciple. End of chapter 10. End of Catina Aurea, commentary on the four Gospels, collected out of the works of the Fathers by St. Thomas Aquinas.